and welcome to the Canadian Condominium Institute podcast presented by the Grand River Chapter. I'm your host, Michelle Dyer, and twice a month we speak with people from across the condominium industry in Southern Ontario. From condo residents to managers, lawyers, engineers, and contractors, we aim to provide the community with tips, insights, and resources to better navigate your condominium life. And we have a little fun while we're doing it too. If you like what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe. And if you're not a member with us, make sure to visit our website at cci-grc.ca and register today. Thank you so much to RLB LLP for the awesome podcast studio. Today we're talking Condominium Act. And before you go, oh gosh, and turn off your computer or end the podcast. No, no, no. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. There's been some changes. There's been proposed changes. There's been some changes that came through not that long ago. Um, this, just this week that we're recording this podcast studio on. And um, my guest today is going to talk about those changes because she knows everything about the condominium act. <laughs> I'll let her introduce herself. Oh, I don't know about everything. I mean, I always try to keep up on it, but uh, it's constantly evolving. Uh, My name is Michelle Kelly. I'm the past president of the chapter and a condo lawyer. So if I don't know a lot about the Condo Act, we've got some problems. I was going to say, don't hire her. (laughs) (laughs) You don't know what... This is like a test. It's like hiring a real estate that doesn't know about condos. Don't do that. Yeah, not a good idea. Not a good idea. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the Condominium Act. So this always confuses me, and it has confused me since I started in the business almost 10 years ago. It's the Condominium Act 1998. Okay, what? Yes. Isn't it just the Condominium Act? And then was it updated in 1998? Is that the whole, how does this work? Yeah, so there's yeah. been various versions of it over the years since the initial one in like 67. So, oh. you know, it was amended, amended, amended. 1998 comes around and they decide, you know what, we need to overhaul this thing. So that's where so, then they oh. completely just overhaul. Like a lot, it went from, you know, 50 pages to 180 pages or something like that, right? Like it significantly increased in size. So they figured, you know what, let's slap a new name on it so that people can distinguish. It's not the old one, it's the new one. And the 1998 was when it was um, originally passed. Gotcha. Is it time for another one? I mean, they've been amending it pretty regularly. Like even in the last five years, there's been almost 20 amendments to it. So I think as long as you're continuing to update it to address issues, you don't necessarily need to slap a new name on it. Like they did in 1998, but... Um, as long as it's continuing to evolve. Hmm. So there was some changes made. I I don't know if it was to the act, but there was some amendments, temporary amendments, I guess, for lack of a better term, yeah. during COVID. Because there were some specific items about meetings. There were specific items about how board business is, is um, uh, discussed and, and uh, enacted. So what were the changes they had to make in COVID? What were they? <laughs> yeah. So there were there were several, um, and it was done a few different ways because sometimes it was done by emergency orders and things like that. And eventually, right. they did actually temporarily amend the Condo Act itself and its regulations, but they were primarily about meetings. Um, you know, because of the limits on gatherings, pretty difficult to hold an AGM. <laughs> right. 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 So that was one of the biggest changes. It you know allowed condos to shift to those virtual meetings, electronic means, whatever you know yep. you could do. Um, the voting piece was made sort of temporarily without that bylaw requirement at right. that time too, because if you're going to attend virtually, you need to be able to vote somehow virtually, typically. And anonymously. So that was a whole other thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there were some other changes, you know, with respect to like directors meetings, they removed the consent requirement. So mm. prior to the pandemic, you could only hold them, you know, teleconference, that kind of thing, if all the board members consented. So if you had one holdout, 
you had to hold them in person. So right. during the pandemic, again, with limits on gatherings, they removed that consent requirement, probably anticipating some difficult person somewhere. <laughs> Why would they want? <laughs> well, and I could see some people still wanted to meet in person, even though, yeah, I could see that. Yep. And then, you know, various other minor changes to go along with that, right? Mm. So like notice requirements, you could do them electronically. Again, hard to distribute mail in person and things like that. Right. And um, the first year, there were some amendments with respect to the AGM dates because a lot of people missed those first year. Right. Because we were because trying to figure out what we were doing. Well, and, and there was such a um, an inconsistent message as to how long this was going to take. So everybody thought, yeah. okay, well, we'll just hold the AGM in a couple of months when this all boils over and then oh no a couple months oh no no okay well hold yeah. a couple months it's got to end a couple months from now oh, no a couple of months come on yeah it's got to end well two years three years later and people were still like struggling right yeah. so i can see that that was a problem because yeah you didn't have an agm there were a lot of condos that were late that first year and i think most donors recognized a um we weren't on you know sure as to how long we had to wait to have in-person gatherings but also two there weren't enough meeting host companies yet, right? We've, I'm sure we've all got our favorites, but yeah. there were, you know, maybe one, maybe two at the time, and they didn't have the capacity to hold every single oh, condo Oh, my goodness. Meeting. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. I remember trying to reach out to them saying, okay, I have four meetings. And they're like, no, no. sorry, we're, we're, we're booking into 2021. Yeah. I'm like, but it's 2020. They need to have a meeting. Well, we're booking into 2021. They were so, the one company in particular that we were, that we were trying to get uh, to be a part of or to use that seemed to understand the condo world because there's a lot of virtual hosting, but they don't understand the condo world and how it all works. Yep. They had the electronic voting already in place, the anonymous voting. So they had the pre, yep. they had everything already and <laughs> they were the busiest. They were pulling their hair out. Yep. And when I called them and they're like, we don't know what to do. <laughs> yep. So all that changed. So we, we all learned to pivot very quickly and the act had to kind of pivot with it and it did. And some of the, even the declarations that are, and that's a whole other episode, go to the website, look at podcasts. They do, we talk about declaration bylaws and rules, but even the declaration kind of the condo act outweighs the declaration. So even though your declaration says you have to have in-person meetings, the condo act says, no, no, no. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's typically the meetings are typically done in the bylaws, but, um, Oh, sorry. Yeah. Bylaws. Yeah. yeah. Oops. It could be in the declaration. Sometimes mm -hmm. it is, but I would say more traditionally it's in the bylaws. Um, and I would say that is where the temporary amendments came in, right? Because a lot of this electronic meetings, virtual meetings, whatever you want to call them, it, we could do them before the pandemic. You had to pass a bylaw to do it. And no right. one really did it until there was a reason to do it. Right. So then you saw a whole bunch of condos pass those bylaws. Yes, I remember that too. They didn't, we didn't do it right in the, right at the beginning because we thought, oh, this is going to be a couple of months and then we're going to yeah. be home. Like we're going to, you know, we're going to get back to normal while... Two years, Two years in, later. you have to, yeah. So everybody's passing bylaws and everybody's passing policies and rules and trying to figure out yeah. how to do this. And oh my goodness, it was chaotic. Um, okay, so now we're out of that. And hopefully we stay out of that forever, right? <laughs> um, what now? Yes. With, so now this is what's happening, right? With the new, with the new amendments? Yes. Yeah, so the um, most recent set of amendments um, was just actually finally received royal assent last week. So it's intending to come in October 1st. Um, the delay being they have to create the regulations. Right. So it takes some time to do the act and then the regulations follow. Um, but those amendments take a lot of those temporary amendments and make them permanent. Or at least until it's further amended. <laughs> Nothing's ever permanent. But. So that virtual AGM 
we can continue with that. Yeah. So, and what they did was, so instead of having that bylaw requirement where Congress have to go and pass the bylaw to do it, yeah. they've kind of done it the opposite way. Everyone can now, well, as of October 1st, will be able to hold their meetings virtually, use electronic voting, all of that things. Um, but you can pass a bylaw to add restrictions or requirements. So okay. if you wanted to say, we only want to use this type of platform, or we only want to allow voting by these means, you could do that by bylaw. I don't see a lot of condos doing that. I think it probably will just be whatever service you can get for the date you want. Yeah. Um, but that's how they flipped it. So instead of it defaulting to you have to pass the bylaw to do it, it's now you can do it. If you don't want to do it, you pass the bylaw. Got it. I, in, in my property management world, when, during that time when I was doing that role, I saw such an uptake of people attending AGMs virtually that I'm not surprised that they kept it this way. Cause why wouldn't you like what? Like I had quorum. What? Yeah. So for those of you that don't know when you're um, a condominium corporation, AGM must have quorum. You must have 50 plus one. Is it uh, 50? Oh, sorry. It's usually the quorum. That's yeah. right. Thank you. Uh, Jeez, it's been a while. <laughs> My brain's not working. I'm thinking bylaws, 51% rules, declaration. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you need you need a percentage of the number of people to make the meeting valid. And if yeah. at the time there was now this new, I don't know if it was a new amendment to the Condo Act or there was something that if you did not have that quorum, you couldn't just vote to keep going you actually had to recall the meeting and it was costing corporations money. When you think about it, a lawyer had to be there for some of the AGMs. You had to have a scribe. You had to have property management. You had to have boards show up. Like it was crazy what was going on in the sense of expense when owners didn't show up to the meetings. So virtually I saw people doing it in their car stuck in traffic on the 401. Yep. I saw people doing it from, you know, kids running behind them and, you know, pets doing it because they could. And that's why, and they always, and the people that didn't show up would always say, well, you do it at such an inconvenient time. I have to get home and feed my family or I'm stuck on the 401. I commute. Yeah. Right. So now all that was gone and they were able to join in with their phone, which was like, what a, it was like, ah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was awesome. So they're going to keep that. Um, what about board meetings? Yep. So they're keeping, well, even before the pandemic, board meetings could be held by, right. tele- we talked about that a little yeah. bit at the start, you needed the board consent. So they did keep the removal of the consent requirement. Okay. Um, it still has to be something that you can communicate instantaneously and simultaneously. So it's not be those like a, email meetings yeah, that people like to hold. got to be a Teams or a Zoom or yeah. whatever platform, right, that requires yeah, yeah. instant response so what else are they going to keep so one of the um i guess maybe controversial or we're not sure exactly what this is going to mean but there's um, some language that says the record of owners and mortgagees will need to include prescribed information what does that mean well we don't know what that means yet because we don't have regulations but there's a lot of speculation that it might mean email addresses for owners (gasps) and then the question becomes if there's a request for the list of owners and mortgagees does the owner requesting it get the email address as well? Or is the regulations going to say, no, no, you know, you have an obligation to provide your email to the condo, but the owners still don't get it. That's the part we don't know yet. We have to see what the regulations but say. But isn't this skating on the privacy policies? 
Well, that's that's the concern of a lot of people is that a lot of owners don't want their other neighbors to have their email address, right? They don't have an issue maybe with the condo having it, but they don't want every other owner having it. So that's kind of the one side of the one group. But then there's other people who are saying, well, you know what? There's so many offsite owners. If I want to requisition a meeting, I can't do it by mail. I need an email or some other way of communicating with those owners. Right. So it's tricky to balance those two things. And it'll be interesting to see what the final regulations end up saying. So. Wow. That one's got me stumped because I'm like, yeah. I can't even fathom that, to be honest. like I'm I, a little bit torn. Yeah. Like I can, I can see like as an owner why you wouldn't want a bunch of people having your email address. I mean, on the one hand, you can block them if they start emailing you with things you don't like. Right. But I can understand the privacy issue. Um, but on the other hand, I also know how frustrating it is for owners to try to requisition a meeting when they can't communicate with the other owners. Well, so, and to have a property management company have those emails, the owner may be wanting to requisition a meeting to talk about the property management company. And you yeah. can't, to go through them would cause strife that way. Like. I can see it. Yeah. And there is a lot of offsite owners and you can't walk around and stick flyers under doors anymore no. because A, people don't read them. Let's be real. Yeah. And B, if a building is mostly tenanted, what do you do? They're not passing it on to their owners. They're just throwing no, it in the garbage. No, they're throwing it in the garbage. Yeah. Why, do I, why do I care about that? Wow. That one's a big one. Yeah. I think that one's going to cause a lot of drama in the upcoming months. So we'll see what ends up happening. Like with the and final is that the version, one? Are, are they pitching that for October first to start October first? It should well? be in the regulations for before October first. Yeah, because the so, act the amendment that in the act has that has now gone through. It is in force now. We just don't know what's going to be prescribed in the regulations yet because those final ones have not been released. Can they? just arbitrarily change that without asking any advice or opinion from anybody or can they just the government can change the regulations pretty easily they don't need to seek our input i mean generally they do on condo act amendments but and they have they have sought yeah. feedback already but they don't have to follow it they could completely <laughs> put in something that the entire industry is like ah what are you doing please don't do that and they yeah. could go ahead and do it anyway yeah. Wow. Regulations are much easier for them to make. All they have to do is in the statute. So the Condo Act, they've given themselves authority to make regulations with the long list of things. Yep. And they just added in with respect to this record of owners and mortgagees and what's prescribed. So we'll wow. see what those regulations initially say, and they could amend them at a future date. But It's interesting because as a former property manager, it was difficult to get email addresses and, addre like, and addresses and full names and all of that stuff of the owners who rented out their units. Yep. It was difficult to get tenant information. If you're telling me now that the information that I give you can be then publicly given to my neighbors, I won't give you it. Yep. Like I won't, I can't see it. I can't see this being beneficial for anybody actually. When you think about it that way, I see both sides and I am torn on both sides for sure. Yeah. But I can see owners going, eh, eh I don't have email. Yeah. Or it'll be a rental agent, right? Like right. if it's a rental property, they'll all just use their rental agent. They'll be, I don't want to deal with you. Yeah. You know what though? Can, I guess they can do that. I mean, it depends what those regulations say, but if it says you just have to provide a email address that you can be contacted at, and I'm a unit owner that rents my unit, I'm using my rental agent's email. I don't yeah. want you bothering me. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. But, but then if the issue is the rental agent's not dealing with the tenant, you know, violating some rule and the owner never finds out about it, it's... It's never going to be resolved. Then who's the owner's responsibility? Oh, oh boy. Right? Like this it's going to cause some. Yeah. It's going to 
going to cost my shoes. We could be here all day doing that round and around. I yeah. love that. That stuff makes me excited. <laughs> it, it's interesting to see how it unplays. Like I, I'm worried for my clients, but as you know, a lawyer, I do find it interesting. It'll be interesting to see what the regulations end up. So we won't know until October 1st. They will release them probably before that. Oh, okay. And there have been drafts that were released, but just I don't take anything to do with the drafts until they're final because they can yeah, change and they can change so easy to change regulations well and if people start hearing about this now i can imagine there's going to be some pushback i would think from whomever lawyers are you pushing back at all or will you see lawyers push back on that a lot of the and this is maybe a, <laughs> a plug for cci mm. um but a lot of times when the government seeks feedback the chapters will get together and make submissions. Yeah. So a lot of times the chapters have done that in the past, and I think they did that on this recent amendment. Did they? Um, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on Who's the board. I should know that, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure I remember seeing those emails. Um, but this is yeah. where CCI. This is where CCI thrives. This is where, as a condo owner, you want to be part of CCI because this sort of thing. CCI will take it by the horns and run. At least yeah. CCI Grand River Chapter. I can't speak for the rest of the chapters um, across Ontario or Canada, but um, this co- is this going to be Canadian or is this Ontario? So this is just Ontario. This is just Ontario. Yeah. So there's how many chapters in Ontario? Seven or eight. Seven or eight, is it? So everybody in Ontario, pay attention. Eight, nine. Oh, Teresa's five, five six, seven, eight. That's eight. Ooh, we were really good at guessing that. Yeah, no, you did that. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but that's good. That's that's where all of the chapters need to talk about. I think this one's going to be a big one. Yeah, I do too. And they kind of just buried it in there, right? Like it wasn't something I, that you no heard a lot about. And... I didn't even hear about this. I, I mean, I read kind of the summary of what you put out, yeah. but I didn't even read about this. Like somewhere along the way, I should have been reading about that. Yeah, yeah. To ask there there are some good opinions out there on, the, you know, some people are for and some are against. So that there are some floating opinions, but um, mm. yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I think this one's gonna. Wow. This is gonna be a big one. That's gonna be a big one. Okay. So what other? These are the ones that that we're gonna see implemented October first potentially. Um, was there ones that they got rid of, or there ones that any kind of amendments that that were made during COVID that they're not going to follow through on, or do you think it's all just no? They've you know, they've adopted either the ones they temporarily did or some version of them. Yeah, like a lot of the amendments are the same. Okay, they've just made it permanent. Got it. Any other changes to the act coming forth that we know about or don't know about or are anticipating? Well, I mean, there's a variety of amendments that were made in 2017 that we still don't have. Really? <laughs> yeah. You could do a whole podcast about that. Well, pretty significant ones. Really? Uh, yeah. Like what? <laughs> um, the new requisition process. We were supposed to be getting that. There was supposed to be some procurement um, processes put in place. There were supposed to be budget requirements annual budget requirements there were supposed to be uh, shared facilities were going to be required the agreements they're currently not required so there's some pretty significant amendments that were you know they all the way through i'm again in force but not well not in force royal assent received became law but just never came into law so they're just sitting there so if you pull up the condo act you'll see a lot of gray spots that's really? all stuff that's been amended, but it's waiting for a date in the future to be proclaimed into force. And it's been five years. So I think a lot of that's probably not coming. Well, okay. Well, we had a global pan. Let's give them a break. We had a global pandemic somewhere in there. Yep. So that changed the dynamic for sure. But 
You had to change oh, in government too, right? Right. So the right the amendments in 2017 were, were done they, under the liberal government, right? Who I think have different priorities for condos than the current conservative government does. True. So I think some of those amendments might come in. They seem to support them at the time, so who knows? And like you said, we had a pandemic, so they had more pressing things to deal with. But I I would suspect there's quite a bit of those, uh, quite a few of those amendments won't come in ever. Hmm. Do we need them? Some of them would be very helpful. Some would add a lot of clarity to issues that are hotly debated. Like that requisition process, the new one would be much, (laughs) much greater than the one we currently have, which has a lot of gray. Okay, so just briefly touch on that. So what's the gray in the requisition process? So right now you submit your request and the board's supposed to call a meeting if it's a valid requisition. If it's not, they usually just ignore you. Right. Not great. And then the owners (laughs) call another one and then you got all these meetings and it just Mm. causes a lot of debate and drama. Um, the proposed process, though, would require the board to actually respond to you to tell you either, yes, we're calling this meeting or no, this is why we're not. Your meeting is invalid. And it just sets out a timeline as to when that all is supposed to occur. So oh, okay. it just seems like it would resolve a lot of the debates as to whether the requisition was valid, whether the corporation had to respond and that mm. kind of thing. Like it does seem like it would be something that would be useful. And wouldn't it? be best to have some kind of timeline or some kind of function that says okay you must respond to the requisition by this time because the animosity that's created as time goes on it becomes visceral when the board doesn't respond to somebody requesting a meeting well, like a requisitioning a meeting, right? One of the most common complaints you hear about condos is they don't communicate, they right. don't respond. So right. it seems like requiring them to do so would probably alleviate that as well. <laughs> we need to do a podcast with all of the, I want to see these. See, now I'm really curious. I got to go on. I'm going to be reading all this legal There's a lengthy the- list. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else to touch upon about the new, any of the other amendments or do we think we got it? I think that's what you need to know about what the recent amendments are. Mm -hmm. There's a lot that could still come, but that's sort of on the horizon. All right. I'm going to wait to hear about that policy one that's going to require me to give my email address as a condo owner. I can't wait to hear that one. (laughs) Michelle, a pleasure as always. Thank you. Thanks for the invite. I will. More coming. (laughs) Season two coming up. We're going to be talking more about this. Thank you for listening to another great episode of the Canadian Condominium Institute aka CCI podcast presented by the Grand River chapter. My name is Michelle Dyer and tell your friends if you like it. If you don't, don't tell anybody. This podcast is available across all major podcast platforms, including Buzzsprout, Spotify, Apple Music, and on YouTube at CCI Grand River chapter. Until next time.